Hey listeners, before we get into this episode, I have a quick ask to make. I started this podcast as a research project on how to be a top individual contributor in the product design space. My goal for the show was to learn what it takes to be an individual contributor that's doing amazing, impactful work that they love doing day in and day out and getting paid top dollar while they do it. Becoming that type of individual contributor is the ultimate job security. With close to 100 hours of interview recordings, this has naturally led to the creation of the short form video articles that synthesize my learnings into 10 minute listens of actionable content. You might recognize these as my morning walk episodes or the hashtag shorts episodes. To my surprise, those episodes have been very well received and listeners have enjoyed the synthesis of what I've learned. This has led to the next chapter of my research project, which is beginning to synthesize what I've learned into a new newsletter called Thinking Out Loud About Design that you can subscribe to right now for free. Thinking Out Loud About Design is an email newsletter and podcast that basically contains all my synthesis for my long form interviews. It's pure distilled learnings that you can apply to your career immediately. This content is for you if you are a couple years into your career and you're trying to make that move from mid-level to senior designer and senior designer to staff designer. I mainly focus on becoming high-performing individual contributors in the product design industry. A free subscription gives you full access to the newsletter, podcast episodes, and website. You won't have to worry about missing anything because every new edition of the newsletter goes directly into your inbox. So my ask is this. If you have gotten any value out of the way of product design, or if it's helped you in any way or someone you know, please subscribe to Thinking Out Loud About Design and get the distilled learnings on being a staff-level individual contributor. You can find a link to the newsletter in the show notes of every episode of this podcast and on my LinkedIn page. Just look up Caden Damiano. Thanks again for listening and supporting the way of product design. I wouldn't be doing this if you guys weren't listening. Now, on to the show. Welcome to the Way of Product Design. I'm your host, Caden Damiano. This podcast has one mission, help product designers generate massive value for their clients, their companies, and themselves so they can do the work they enjoy the most. We know design is valuable, but how can you unlock the true value design in your work? To help with this, I interview top performers in design, product management, and engineering so you can understand what's valuable to your stakeholders, your bosses, and your customers. So enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. Hey listeners, I, this episode's been a long one in the making. I think we had a two-hour conversation back in November. We're really vibed and we're really excited. We were supposed to record this earlier and then both of us were just looking for jobs around that time. So we're like, okay, let's pause. Let's get into our new gigs. I got into a new gig, really happy with it. And uh, you know, William and Tim, <laughs> William and Tim. <laughs> Dude, said, like, yeah, so you yeah, right. you, yeah, you explained, you pronounce. So if you see him on LinkedIn, it's like saying William and yeah. Tim and Tim. Yeah. That's an interesting yeah. name. Yeah. You, you found a home at PayPal. You were formerly at uh, Home Depot and now you're at a really awesome company that like I love using their products. One of my favorite products is yeah. PayPal credit. Like that's, that's a really good flexible way to pay for things. And yeah, really good. Awesome. For, good for you, man. Congratulations on your new gig. Would you, could you introduce yourself to listeners, explain like your story a little bit, like who you are and how you got to where you're at and we'll go from there. 
Awesome. Hey, thank you. Sorry about the about the ambient music, by the way, but I'm happy shop and it's just <laughs> we just have to enjoy it. But so my name is William Intim, and um, uh, currently at PayPal as a, a senior UX designer, and previously at the Home Depot, and then before that, I worked at Boom Writer, which is an education technology software company. So that's EdTech, and then before that, I worked at an auto auction software company. And then prior to that, I worked at HostGator, which is an online domain uh, registrar. So my experience has really been, it's been all over the place and I did that on purpose. I think every now and then when I get on a call with mentor, uh, mentees, et cetera, I talk about having a strategy and we'll, we'll go into that. But my experience is scattered on purpose because I wanted to get ex I wanted to get experience and a taste of all the various industries before I made up my mind on which one I was going to set set my foot in. I took a gig I think in July of last year at Scale Factor, which was fintech, it was financial uh, technology, and unfortunately the company folded. So it folded after a week of me joining. It was crazy. LinkedIn was like blowing up, but. So that happened. I think that really solidified my love for fintech where I was like, you know what? I think this is where I want to be. Finance is where I want to be. So then it was easier for me to transition into PayPal when the time came. But yeah, I have uh, over 10 years now of uh, experience as a senior UX designer and um, just enjoying it everyday aspect of it. Really. I'm an author. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. I wrote one book and I have two more in the way and uh, I'm a new dad. Yeah. I just had a daughter as well, actually. But yeah, that's a, you know, brief summary of kind of uh, what I have going on now. Yeah. Yeah. Just to mention, like, I totally admire your hustle. The fact that you're like in a coffee ch Thank shop, you. still tr still trying to make this work <laughs> and it is working, like just respect for just being like, okay, cool. I'm just going to post up where there's some Wi-Fi. I'm going to make this call happen, which yes. really reflects in like your ability to produce, which is really cool. And I actually reached out to you about a book you were developing that hasn't even been released yet. And you're like, oh, actually I put that on hold for this other book about <laughs> UX tips. But tell me a little bit about why you're writing these books. And I think more specifically, like, I know that the first one that the one I reached out to you about was a lot more about communicating as a UX designer, but like what, like, why have you chosen like these topics for your books? Yeah. And what's the reason for writing them? Yeah, that's a good question. So you're right. As you were speaking, I just thought of something. I thought of how we hear music, we listen to artists. And then every time they're like, well, I wrote this song because I was going through a moment. Like Michael Jackson would be like, I wrote this, I was going through this time of my life. And I think that's really similar to what I have going on as far as the books that I write. So my initial, my first book, You Extinguish. There you go. I forgot about the title, but You Extinguish, How to Put Out Fires. And then also I think when stakeholder, guess stakeholder buy-in, et cetera. That was important to me at the time. And I always take that step to, collect a lot of my thoughts, a lot of my efforts and learnings and findings into a book, because I'm sure you can attest to this, but we do get lots of emails from junior designers, even senior designers on LinkedIn, you know, about, hey, can you like jump on a 15 minute call with me or a 30 minute call? But the thing is, we can't, we don't, the time is, is limited. So you can't jump on all those calls. So I figured I could collect my thoughts put them in a book and then have it readily available. Even when I'm dead and gone, it will still be there. Those would be my thoughts. So 
I think it's bigger than the now for me, but the season that I'm in and then the part that I'm able to conquer translates into a book. So that You Extinguished book was one where I think it the idea came out after I conquered a crazy stakeholder like presentation or something. And I got, I, I got some, I got some buy-in, uh, the needed buy-in project that was rolled out. So that, that, that happened. And then the next one, while I was doing that, actually writing that book, I was posting all these random UX tips on LinkedIn and I would be, I'll receive emails and messages from junior designers who, who are loving them, who are just like craving them. And they say, Hey, look, this came at the right time for me. And it's just insane how I'll be working, but then a random tip that I, I would use or utilize, I just decided to write it down and post it. It, was, it started very innocently. And then it became a pattern. And I started realizing, wait, people actually wake up, get their coffee and look forward to this. So that became a habit. And I decided to put all of that into a book because then it was the same thing. You have junior designers emailing and saying, Hey, look, can you give me some tips? I need, I need some advice. And I'm like, here's all the advice I can give right now. Take it. So it's not even about the money for me when it comes to the book. When I speak, I tell the mentees and, and other designers that books really don't make you rich. And that's more so a service, right? Because designers and even people that authors that write books, they do it as a service to, to further any cause. For me personally, it's just to be able to help build great designers for the world. Cause there's a lot that we do that's on our plate. Design is a huge responsibility. So it's important that we're able to impact other designers with all the great things that we learned and then also the mistakes we made so they don't have to duplicate it and just create better designers all around. So that's the idea behind these crazy books. And there's one more coming out, which I'm really excited about. Maybe we get a taste of it in this interview. You know, what I like about the topics that you're working on, like you extinguished and the all the tips that you have is that it, they're very practical wisdom gained from just like life experience. And, and a lot of the tips aren't like what design tool you could use. It's not tactical, really. It's like, it's almost like philosophical, right? Yeah. Of how to like yeah. view your job and how to, how to, how to like behave and perform in your job. And in an earlier video uh, interview I did, I came to the realization that like the reason a lot of bootcamp grads are like really struggling right now is they're finding out that the act of making wireframes and flows <laughs> isn't inherently valuable by itself. It's the critical thinking that goes behind it and, and the decisions that are made and how, what conversations it leads to. And if a person with uh, control over resources, like a stakeholder, sees the same thing and they put resources Sorry. behind it. And so a lot of the value of design is really facilitation and communicating <laughs> ideas visually. And that's what I like about your books. Like what, what are like the, I guess maybe a few, a couple of principles that you find that leads to like higher performance in, in a designer, like what differentiates you from someone that's like, I do wireframes and I did some flows <laughs> and to, oh, this was like the, this was the strategic leverage point I focused at, uh, made a quick like pitch deck with some sizzle mocks to like get a stakeholder buy-in. And then we, yeah, like that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah, no, it's, that's perfect. Uh, I like how you put it because see, it's, as you said, like wireframes and all that are great, but I, I had a thought come in again. During the interviews, right, when you're at the third stage or third phase or whatever you want to call it, and you're doing a presentation, going through your portfolio, that 
the hiring manager is not necessarily looking at those wireframes. They're trying to understand your thought, your critical thinking abilities behind that. So, oh, talk me through how you did this. Talk, you know, walk us through. So it, it really, the, I think my approach to educating designers is really focused on the mental behind the scenes, that cognitive skill. That's really not thought, no, taught. There was a, there was a guy who purchased my book uh, random 101 random UX tips and he gave it a one star on Goodreads so it was random I just searched online I was like oh what's going on with my book how is it performing and I searched online and there was a two star on Goodreads I was like wait but Amazon I have a lot of five stars on there so I followed up with a guy I found his name went went on LinkedIn and I you know found him and I was like hey I just want to know you know what's why did you give it a two star so he explained that he was looking for more practical tactical kind of educational <laughs> tips and then i was like oh and that was interesting to me i was like wait but why would you get that from one-on-one random tips plus if you want tactical like educational that's why you go to boot camp to get the education <laughs> so that was interesting and i explained to him listen these tips are tips that you're not going to find in the classroom these are tips that are practical that come on the job that you know is birthed out of 10 years of experience so anyway he was like you know what? i understand it makes sense and but but it takes a strong mental ability to be a high-performing designer. And I think that's the part that designers are missing. I, I'm not sure if it's only mental ability or some kind of, I don't want to say attitude, but it's some kind of just like inherent nature. It's interesting because I feel like there are certain people that might not ever be able to do that because they're stuck with the with the process or the, um, what's the word? So I'm looking for a word, someone who just hmm. likes to follow the rules, who's in a box. They, just like- yeah. So they're, they treat UX like it's complicated. There's fixed variables. If you follow like it's UX fixed, on rails. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Fixed. If you're fixed, I don't think you're going to be a high performing designer. The reason I say that because being a high performing designer means you're fluid. Like it's insane. Just like the whole Bruce Lee statement, be water. You have to be fluid. I am so fluid, not just in thought, but in, in performance. So the tools that you use, the tools that you don't use, no matter how the market or what the company is using, how you actually prep your work in order to be, to duplicate it faster, how you manage your time, how you, um, how you prepare certain ingredients, quote unquote, or components so that you're not doing multiple work. You're not doing three or four times the job that you could do in five minutes. So it's a whole strategic thought and, and I think cognitive ability that that needs to be developed in order to be able to get there. The baseline though of being a high performing designer is to set that goal. that be the goal that you say, okay, I want to be a high performing designer. But what does that really mean? For me, I'm a dad. I started a company, so I'm running a company. I'm an owner of a a company that's doing six figures, employees and everything. But setting that up to run itself while still creating for the company I work for, for PayPal, while still working and doing a great job, while also writing a book, while also being a dad and a husband, you got to be able to get in this mindset of you're using 5% of your brain capacity right now. So how can you utilize all, even 50%, like it's insane. If we're using 5% and myself included, imagine how fast, how much more you could do if you're able to utilize at least 50 or even 20%. When you get a project at work, 
let's say you're a freelancer or you're a contractor or even full-time, you can decide to pace yourself and enjoy, or you can practice so much and even in your own time, just practice and work and study and learn, really just work the machine to the point where by the time you receive an ask, you already have mentally, look, I'll be in a meeting and then I'll be listening to the project requirements. But as I'm listening, I'm already designing what that outcome is going to look like mentally. Not necessarily concrete, a concrete design or flow, but just brainstorming as, as the information is getting fed in. So it's put in a paper and a printer or a shredder. Like it goes in and it's being shredded instantly. So you're taking that information in and you're just going. But there are, there are a few tips that you can use practically to really get you there. And I think we can, I can give some examples if, if you want me to. But you have to have that mental, there's a word, mental exercise or mental readiness as the core. And then you attach these practical tips and tiny tricks in order to make it all come together. That sounds a lot like the whole like 10X rule, Grant Cardone mm-hmm. type mm-hmm. stuff where it's basically the, the rule is like two parts, right? The, the first one being people underestimate how much effort it takes to succeed at something they think oh it's 1x like i just need to get like the boot camp education or i just need to be i just need yeah. to learn the process and then i'm ready to get paid like above the median income of the nation and provide that kind of value to a company right at, at a junior level yeah. which is about usually juniors are compensated above the median income and and oh and the second part of the rule is that we underestimate the amount of like our thinking like we underthink like we had to think 10 times more. So like when, when I'm hearing you talk about this, you need to think bigger. Like you don't want to say, oh, I just want to be good. This one, like do my job, go home. It's the companies, they want to hire someone that's going to come in and fix process issues and invent new value propositions, mm-hmm. et cetera. And you gotta, you gotta think bigger mentally. Now, I think to add, to dig into what you're talking about here, because it's really, it is, it's a mental thing. There's a, this book, I forgot what it's called, but there's a saying in there that like what we believe, everything, all our behaviors are rooted in like what we believe, like the principles we believe in. Mm -hmm. If you change your beliefs, you change your behaviors. And so like people thinking that one belief that's really hurting a lot of like young designers, but yeah, I've seen senior designers that like are just not really performing at that level. They believe that if I just follow the process, I will get a good outcome. If I like ideate, make some wireframes, <laughs> prototype, user test them with 10 people, that it's ready to go to market and it's viable. Yeah. Or believing that, oh, our job is just to make interfaces. And there's just a lot of graphic <laughs> designers making digital posters, basically, and it's supposed to be working software. Like, What beliefs did you have to unlearn or like unbelieve? Mm. And like, what, and what beliefs did you swap into those to help you get into that high performance behavior that you have right now? What do you have to stop believing? That's such a great question. Wow. That's such a great question. I think the first thing that came, that comes to mind is possibility. So I had to unbelieve that it wasn't possible for me to be that designer to be that high-performing designer. And and it's interesting because that aligns very well with our mental. It starts with you as the individual. So that first step is really just unbelieving that you can't be a a high-performing designer. It doesn't matter if it's a junior designer. I know of a junior designer who just graduated, has only one year of experience, but she's like 
blazing LinkedIn. She won top 20, 2020 top, top voices in design, the list that I, I, I was on as well. And I'm just like, wait, you just graduated? She's like, yeah. And I'm like, how, like, how do you get on LinkedIn top 2020 and you just graduated? So it's, it starts with you and realizing that, okay, it's possible for you. Now, once you're able to align yourself with that, then everything else unfolds in the, in the realm of what else, so what's next? But the first belief was just the possibility part. So realizing mm -hmm. that it's possible and, and um, unbelieving that, hey, like I couldn't do it. I, I can't be that guy. And then the next thing for me was unbelieving that time is on my side. <laughs> so I started getting in, I'll use the term, the term like frantic mode and not frantic or like scared. Urgency. All right. Urg urgency and being uh, more appreciative of, of time. Like you start looking at time. I think I purchased, um, I purchased an hourglass just so I could feel it and quantify it in order to really understand it. Cause it's 27 minutes in or a little bit over, but like you can break time down to the seconds and actually perform. My wife will, I don't think she really understands everything I do. Every now and then you will get in the conversation, I'll just be like, oh yeah, I'll take care of this and that. And I'll give you a call or I'll do this and I'll let you know. But what time are you gonna, are you gonna miss our dinner? I'm like, no, it's, I'm gonna be there. How are you gonna get on a call, do a talk, interview? Do, don't worry, I'll get it done. But the reason is because I get in the details, I break time down to the smallest unit. So as far as belief, just be, stop believing that time is on your side because the moment you change your mindset, it makes you slow down and it makes you really look at the details. Okay, what time is it? How much time do you have left? How much time do you want to spend on a project? How much time, you know, do you want to pace out or map out a project timeline? It just, time is in the midst of everything that we do. So anyway, that, that whole time thing is one thing that you have to stop believing. The next thing is, once you stop believing that, you have to also stop believing that everything is on your side. Like you can never lose. I'm very optimistic about everything, but I guess accepting reality in a sense. Mm. So accepting reality that, okay, you know what? You can actually be turned down. You can fail. That project might not succeed. That process you use might actually be the wrong one because that is a baseline for you to, even talking about speaking to stakeholders, trying to get buy-in, the baseline of you realizing that you're human, you're mortal, and you are, you can make mistakes. It makes it easier for you to accept pushbacks. It makes it easier for you to face certain things, even in the design industry, in your career, that could break you, that could cause you to burn out. But if you're able to have that mind shift initially, pre, you know, prior to it occurring, then it's easier for you to just face it and say, you know what? Okay, this is one of those days. I got turned down. You know what? That job didn't want me. That's okay. But then what's next? Take that and then you move on to the next thing. These beliefs, they sound common, but like, I'm, I promise you, it's, you have to really think about it. You have to believe it, as you're saying. You have to be able to dig deeper. I talk about... The, the next book I'm writing is, is about breadcrumbs and, and I'm having fun writing it. But in there, I talk about, about your why, finding your why. And this, this statement is everywhere. Oh, find your why. That's great. But why are you in UX? I don't think a lot of people ask themselves that. 
is why are you why did you switch jobs what you were a waiter and now you're in ux design why did is it because of the money is it because you wanted to just have job security is you you love design is it because you're passionate about building products is it because of a social cause so it could be a variety of reasons but the bottom line is, and, and I hear they're counting, they're counting their coins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they don't need to count their coins right now. <laughs> I know. I think, That's yeah, fine, man. Uh, That's fine. <laughs> it, hey, listener, if you don't like it, you could get off. Just kidding. Please stay on and subscribe. Yeah. Sorry, guys. But <laughs> it's, it's just the real world. And that's the thing. Like, yeah. We live in a world. These are all beauties of life that we have to appreciate. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know people use coins anymore. I just swiped so much. No things. joke. But... <laughs> Anyway, I almost lost my train of thought, but here, yeah, how about, so, yeah, yeah. The one thing that the one belief that you pointed out, I, I love the idea that you don't treat time lightly. I think I, I hear a lot of people say, oh, life's too short to work hard. And I'm like, also life, but eh, I think when people <laughs> say, I agree, life's too short. But I think when people say that life's too short to work a dead end, life's too short yeah, to like yeah. do something that you're just, you're working to work when you could be mm-hmm. working to live, which is if you get, Obviously, if you are good at you design or any other profession, like you also get to live well too. But I like that. I love that. Yeah. And the one that really stood out to me was believing that like the world's on your side. And, and mm-hmm. I see that belief as that because that's a belief that I had them coming from a traditional yeah. ed- design education and then facing a lot of like resistance getting into the industry. Like I saw that mm-hmm. break in, study this thing for four years, like, and bootcamp grads were like getting internships over me. It was like mind boggling. And the, that belief, in my opinion, is like trusting the system. It's almost like people saying, if I just put money in my 401k, I'll have enough for retirement. <laughs> or, or if I, yeah, if I just get my college degree, like I'm going to be prosperous. And then we're having a lot of people find out, like after they're saddled with a bunch mm-hmm. of debt, that like they just got duped because they trusted the system. Really like, yeah, yeah for me, like that, it's a similar belief to yours is, I had to learn to believe that nothing is guaranteed. There's no free lunch. And yeah. it's up to me to manage my career and go go above and beyond. And that changed my behavior yeah. from trusting in the traditional job process as well. And like the traditional, like professional relationship thing. Exactly. No, exactly. As you said, yeah. like it, it, it helps you. It automatically does something to the human, to your, your brain, to your mind. It, it changes who you are, your actions afterwards. Because in 2019, September, I lost my job at Boomrider. And it took me three months before I got my Home Depot job. And for mm-hmm. me, I was like, no, I, I know who I am. I know I'm a great designer. I shouldn't take three months to get a job. And then I made a promise to myself. I said, no, this is going to be the last time. I, that's not going to happen anymore. Now, the reason was because I worked remote four years before that. So for four years, I was just working from home, doing, doing making my own schedule. Therefore, you're not plugged in. You're not in a network. You're not, I wasn't even on LinkedIn. So mm-hmm. it was September of 2019 when I, I think October came, November came, and I realized, okay, I'm, I still don't have, don't have a job. I need to make a change. I need to flip this, this mm-hmm. setup around so that jobs come to me and I don't have to go applying for jobs. And that was like like a catalyst for me to really flip everything around, flip the table over. And then fast forward 2020, I was awarded LinkedIn Top Voices in Design 2020 on the same list with the chief chief design officer or something of Nielsen Norman Group. That's insane. Like a year, previous year, no one knew you. And now you're on this list and now mm-hmm. you're writing books and now tens of thousands of views and followers. So 
it really there is that mind shift that needs to happen of thinking everything's all groovy, everything, the world is on your side. It's not it's not necessarily people because the moment you start going down that route, it's not that's not the way is just realizing that life itself depends on you taking control of your trajectory, right? Your career direction, your career success. That's gonna like it's it falls on your shoulder. The moment you understand that, it makes it easier for you to say, okay, what do I need to do next? Okay. What's my strategy? Where am I going? I talked about your why. I also want to talk about your where. You have to make that decision as after you, you find out your why, because then you can plan out what lies between it. Like I'm right where I want to be. I planned this. I plan to a high performing designer. I plan to be a highly sought after designer. I have jobs in my inbox ready to go, even though I just accepted a new role at PayPal. And I'm like, wait, did you not see, you're on my LinkedIn. Did you not see me update my status? But then, they'll, they'll, you know, recruiters will, will even mention that and say, oh, I see you accepted a new role. I, I still would like to just chat. And these are large companies. Like, I'm not even going to mention the names, but these are very recognizable companies that you would know. Wait, at least six to seven of them reaching out and following up. And, and it's not a bad thing, but that's right where I want to be because I want it to be at that place where I don't have to take three months in order to find my next job. Jobs are going to come to me and then I decide where I want to work because I'm in control. And then remember the previous thing that we talked about, also realizing that not everything is going to go the way you want it. So it's like a balance. It's like, you're like, okay, I, I need to make a change, but also it doesn't always work out the way I want it to. And that's okay. How can I take that and then make it better or change my, my approach? Yeah. So I'm with you. I'm with you a thousand percent on that. Yeah. It's, um, it's really, it's like tempering expectations that it really, it is a numbers game and it's all about making your own luck and stacking the odds in your favor. And usually when you get to these like high reward parts of your career, are you talking about how like just a year of just doubling down yeah. And you picked a good year to do it, by the way. Yeah. Uh, you did, a year from doubling down, now you're having people come to you and, and realizing like how long that took to get for me. Like I've been doing the podcast for two years and I thought like the offers would come in. And then yeah. just the last couple months is when it hit that like tipping point yeah. where people started coming over to me. It, that shows like how much effort it takes to get yeah. that kind of leverage. And it's really, you're looking for, it's like Nassim Taleb, isn't Nassim Taleb, but Naville Ravikant, he talks about how instead of seeking like money or security, you're seeking leverage. And how do you build leverage? Exactly. Yes. Yeah, you're, you, how do you build leverage? You, you could do it through podcast books, like advertising. No one's going to know who you are. If you want to be a well sought, sought after piece of talent, you have to be discoverable. Right. Oh, um, yes. I talked about that in my book, my upcoming book yeah. as well. <laughs> oh, I think you posted I, I, that tip on LinkedIn. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I call it value. Like you have to be a person of value. It's uh, like I can scream all I want that, hey, I'm a great UX designer. But if I'm not providing any value, nothing's going to happen. So like even in the job search, providing value, even on LinkedIn, just liking somebody's post, but not just, I, I tell my mentees all the time. Stop following all these, oh, get active on LinkedIn, comment. No, that's not how it works. Provide value. Let your likes be valuable. Your comments be valuable. Your messaging be valuable. Mm -hmm. uh, but outside of that, what value are you pro providing for the world in general? Because a fruit that bears fruit, I saw this statement somewhere and I, it stuck to me so much. And it stuck with me. A fruit that bears fruit 
Well, a tree that bears fruit doesn't go to, doesn't take the fruit to the, per, to the human, but the mm -hmm. human goes to the tree to get the fruit. When you're a personal value, it's like you're a tree. You have the fruits, that's your value. People will come to you. Whatever you want to come to you will come to you in order to get that value that you provide. And mm -hmm. that's that discoverability, that positioning that, that the Neil guy was talking about. And I also talk about in my book. And actually, this, you're the first person that's bringing, up, bringing it up that, in, in that manner. Because like on all these talks that I've had, I'm like, in order to be a you know, high-performing designer or in order to be a highly sought-after designer, you have to be found. You have to be discoverable. So that's where the breadcrumbs come in. And that's what kind of the whole book is about on strategically being intentional about every single action. I'm talking every application, the types of job, job websites you apply to, the types of jobs you apply to. I'm telling you, it's a whole science that people just blindly just, you know, send out applications, oh, hundreds, 20, this, that. Man, this thing is a whole, it's a whole, I could write a whole class about it, a whole course. <laughs> I mean, might as well. You're making much stuff, but <laughs> I, yeah, it's true. It's, you, you could do it. You could depend on your school's network to get you jobs. You could depend on job sites to help you, but no one's going to work on your behalf as much as you can. And if you just choose to manage your career and just own it and just pay attention. Yeah. And, and I like how you put, no, deliver value. doesn't mean you don't like, not like posts, but like actually ask a smart question on a LinkedIn yeah. post. Like I, yeah. don't say, oh, great job, thought leader. Oh, I agree. Wow. Great <laughs> post. No, it's, I know. I hate that. <laughs> well, yeah. It's, and I think that's what people think. It's like, no, give like your, like, it's like Gary V says, you know, just like give your honest two cents in, in work. It's don't just don't just design whatever people tell you because you're not delivering value. The only value you're delivering is that you're like a sketch monkey. Be like, okay, cool. What's the objective you want? And then you turn around really good designs in a timely manner. And then also you can even, you're when you're good enough, you can actually give like an estimate. Like, yeah, I'll get back to you next week with these designs. Yes. What like the value you're giving them is, oh, you're, they're getting a reliable designer. They're getting like actual like certainty insecurity working with you because they know, Hey, like he agreed to this. He always delivers. She always delivers. Like it doesn't have to be even like huge things. It's just small little tweaks to like your behaviors and how you talk, believing that, Hey, every coworker deserves certainty or, or at least like some kind of expert set expectation. Like yeah. that doesn't even take that much energy just to say, Hey, I'll get, I'll have these done by Friday and you have them done by Friday. Yeah, it's very, and that's what I was alluding to earlier about like practicing and being good, like inside out, because once you're able to get over that hump, it's mm -hmm. easier for you to say, you know what, it'll take me, as you said, it'll take me two days to complete it. You, you know what I've even mastered now? I have mm -hmm. mastered not only the amount of time it's going to take me to finish a project, but actually mastering that time in relation to how, uh, fast it is from other designers or the normal turnaround time and then beating that mm -hmm. let me give you an example so when a project comes through it's oh hey, we are we have a deadline but when can you get this done i was hoping you, if you could get it by friday that'd be great and let's just say it's, it's monday so project manager wants it by friday for her she thinks that's pushing it but because i've mastered the time of let's say it was the regular schedule was going to be on tuesday tuesday will be the regular deliverable and she wants it on friday i'll say you know what okay i, I can make it work on friday and then deliver it by wednesday or thursday 
See what I'm saying? So it's you're under you understand the process. You've studied your own work work pace. Your your concise estimate, and then even beating there. Oh, hey, wait, start today. I know where we're supposed to meet tomorrow. For much value, one is going to be doing that. And, and that's the part that sets you apart. Basically, it's you're like, you, you've over delivered on expectations and like time frames and stuff. And then also, like, you're getting more in sync. So they know, like, they're getting to know your capabilities. And then you start becoming more like indispensable. Yeah. I think th- this is like the first time in my career where I, I could like confidently say, oh, yeah, I could get that done by this time. I'll have this ready by next spring. And, yeah. and sometimes I'll yeah. do what you do. I'll like yeah. deliver like a day early, or sometimes I'll deliver on time but then do the, oh and one more thing also did this as well like exactly yeah 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 there you go no but yeah. you can only do that just, through practice yeah. like you don't in that takes it took me five years to get to be that good and a lot of yeah. it's just doing it but like eventually designer listening to this if you're like junior or whatever like you're gonna get to a point where you're gonna be relaxed and confident because you're gonna have the muscle memory and stuff and then that's what makes, I think that's what makes senior designer, man. Is you've already, yeah. Like you've got the muscle memory now. And so now yeah. you could just focus on like over delivering value and being professional, right? Mm-hmm. There's a tip, there's a tip about that. I actually wrote a tip about over delivering. Uh, oh, okay. So here's what I did. There's a tip about over delivering. This same uh-huh. thing we just talked about. I just remembered it. All right. Guess so much going on in my brain. But my book is called One-on-One Random UX Tips. And for all the designers listening, this is an example. But when you buy the book and you read it, there's one of two tips in there. And the last tip is about over-delivering. Yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> it's but awesome. I think it's important to mention that because I want designers to understand how important this is. This is like, this is a skill that it's so relevant. It sets designer, uh, senior designers apart from junior designers. Or even mid-level. And that's the, the zeros are also set apart from mm-hmm. a senior designer, a junior designer, as far as the salaries. And these are the skills that you won't learn in school. Like these skills come with practice. And like you're saying, it, take, it, it took us five, 10 years to get to that. But given this information, provide value so that it doesn't have to take 10, 15, you know, five years or 15 years for somebody else. And hoping that they could practice more and really get the beauty, the science of the of the discipline, so they can achieve some of these you know levels faster. Because mm-hmm. it's possible you could practice so much, you estimate your time, your you can generate that muscle memory without having to spend five years doing it. You know, if you work on enough projects, there's enough resources out there. Like, yeah, really, yeah, like totally agree with you. Yeah, like I I know that we have a time limit, so like. Definitely want to put like the, be aware of like your time. Tell me a little bit about your third book in development. I don't know if you talked a lot about on LinkedIn. No, I haven't posted it yet. So this is exclusive. Yeah. Give me the exclusive. No other podcast either. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? The only one. No, I'm excited. So yeah. So the book that's coming out is, is called The Breadcrumb Effect. And I think as... As senior UX designers, we go through this. We've done this. Like you've been through this. We, we spoke a little bit about it, but I'm putting a term on it and try to create a formula for it where a junior designer can pick up that book and understand it so that they can walk that path. The breadcrumb effect is essentially a strategy to achieving 
UX career success. Now, whatever that looks like is up to the reader. So your UX career success could be a high salary. It could be a title, a, a, a high title or a role in a company, or it could just be working at a, a major company like PayPal or these other large, whatever that feat is for you, you can fill in that blank. But in the strategy to get there is what I talk about in the book, because it is, I've broken it down to, to kind of a, just a, a science where you can apply that even to your own personal life and say, okay, where do I want to go as a human being, period? Where do I want to be at 50 or 30 or 40? And then apply that to get there. A lot of times, even as UX designers, we think that our jobs are separate from our lives, but it's been fused in, in some way because your whole, I guess, being is dedicated to building products that make other people satisfied. You're in the human um, connection business, human computer interaction business. And if you take out computer, there's you and there's human, right? And then you have a computer. So I think it's important for designers to understand that. But yeah, that's what the book is about. Hey, here's the strategy. And then also examples of how I use that, those different steps of various stages to achieve my definition of career, UX career success, which is where I am right now. And there's a timeline to it. There's a roadmap. I want it to be like a blueprint where every graduate can just pick it up and know, okay, this is what, what I need next in order to continue my journey. So I'm really excited about it. It was a really fun, it came, the idea came from a talk that I gave about reverse, reversing your UX, reverse engineer your UX career. So I was, as I was prepping the material, I finished prepping it and I was like, wait, this is content. This is a book that somebody needs to hear this. I need to put this in print. Uh, so I gave the talk and it was like two hours. The time still wasn't enough to really break everything down. And I was like, wow, this definitely needs to go into a book. So that's how it started. But I'm really excited to release that. I'll be releasing it this year before the end of the year and just make it available. Multiple languages, audiobook, everything. So my gift to the world. <laughs> do you read your audiobooks? So I actually listen, I do listen to them because I have to prove. Oh, do, to read do, it. You, do, do you read it? Like, do you, are you the narrator? Oh, read it out. Books? So, so the first one I wasn't, but for this one, I'm going to be just because I'm so passionate about it. I'm like, yeah, it has to tell. be me. It has to be me delivering this breadcrumb strategy like no one else. So the breadcrumb effect is going to come out soon and I can't wait. Yeah. That's awesome. Hey, William, this definitely wasn't enough time to talk to someone as uh, passionate <laughs> about you. We definitely need to do a follow-up episode as definitely. you start releasing stuff. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Is there anything else you want to say before we sign off? No, thank you for providing value. I've been following you for a while now and you just constantly, like you're the definition of a high performing designer. And I think, see, like every listener, I want every listener to pay attention to the things and the ways of these, I guess, influencers or leaders or people that you admire as far as UX career success, because there are certain things and certain ways that they move that are different than the non-high performing ones, those that are not really making those marks. Take note of that, learn from that, because in in all of those steps, that's really how you can feed off of it and also become a better designer. But thank you for the service you're providing, man. That's incredible. I keep seeing all the episodes releasing and the seasons, and I'm just like, wow, this guy's really killing it. So. 
Oh, yeah. coming from you, that that means a lot. Thanks a lot for the the kind words. And hey, and just to add really quick to like your 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 advice there. If you see people crushing it and you want to be where they want to be, there's a good chance that they believe different things than you about life, about career. And like, you, you need to realize, Hey, what are like my limiting beliefs? They're keeping me from being respected by my coworkers, being respected by my non-design partners. Like how can I carry more like executive presence and stuff? It, It really is just like what you believe. And that yeah. those things are holding you back. William, this has been awesome. This has actually almost been therapeutic. Like you're just confirming <laughs> things and like adding new creases to my brain. Really appreciate it. That's awesome, man. Yo, I love it. I'm so, I'm so glad we we're able to do this. Uh, and yeah, that's the goal. Just that mental, like tech plan of, hey, let's get you in the right mindset. Cause it starts with you. And then once you're able to get that, ooh, I'm telling you, it's like a straight shot from there, man, honestly. Uh-huh. And it's so easy after that point. It's just that hump. Getting over that hump is a straight shot. So, yeah, for sure. Um, just yeah. gotta get escape Thanks velocity, and then you can fly around space. Yeah, you have a good one, yeah, William. Exactly. Have fun. Have yeah, a good definitely. afternoon. See ya. You too. Take care, man. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening to the Way of Product Design. One quick favor, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your network, your friends, and hit that subscribe button on the show wherever you're listening to it. Thanks again for listening to the show, and I'm really excited to bring more awesome interviews and content your way. So keep listening, you won't be disappointed.